The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. The price of oil falling. It might not be enough to keep a recession at bay. Why is oil below 100? Why are yields falling? Isn't that good? Depends on why they're falling. What the federal government can do with Austin Goolsbee, who served in the Obama White House. Washington could try to pass a stimulus, but if the Fed is going to keep raising the interest rate, we would rediscover how more than two-thirds of the recessions in the U.S. have come from the Fed raising the interest rate faster than the economy can handle. Would you quit if your employer didn't share your values? CNBC's Sharon Karen Epperson on the tables turning. Before the pandemic, it was about work-life balance. Now it's about how work fits into your life. And one young worker prioritizing values in the job hunt. Like everyone, I want to make sure I have the salary, those benefits, and can go into a place knowing that'll be protected. Plus, Jules ban gets a pause and TikTok's data practices investigated. What's China going to find out about these kids? <laughs> they may find, say, we don't have to do anything. That country's screwed. It's Wednesday, July 6th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. The R word, recession fears, have taken hold pretty much everywhere. So far this week, the markets have been, surprise, volatile. Our first day back from the long weekend saw a rally late in the day, making up for over 2% in losses in recent sessions. But another big market story, arguably the bigger market story, the inverted yield curve. A yield curve inversion is when the yield, the percentage of return on investment, on the two-year U.S. Treasury bond rises above that of the 10-year T-note. The U.S. Treasury issues these notes of debt to pay our obligations, and a 10-year Treasury matures much later than a two-year and typically offers a higher return. This inversion, higher yield for the shorter-term note, has preceded seven of the last eight recessions, so it's a big deal. Strategist Chris Wiley appeared on CNBC's European broadcasts and warned, ignore the signal at your own peril. The yield curve uh, inversion um, has a very reliable track record, as you'll be aware, in terms of predicting recessions. But it also has a a track record of giving false signals as well. So it's quite a head scratcher when one follows that. You ignore it at, at your peril. We've got a very confused set of indicators on growth at the moment. Today on Squawk Pod, we start with Joe Kernan and our friend Melissa Lee mapping out messy market signals. Here's Joe. As people that work together, do we, you know, we, we are together before the show. Uh, yes. It, it, you know, just Some of the a couple of people of getting makeup. Couple best of, moments yep, of my day. It is. It is. It's, sure. it's early, but we do talk and we talk about a lot already. I, I mentioned that yesterday, I mean, it got a little hairy uh, at one yeah. point. It's like, here we are. Here we are again after a terrible first half of the year. And then I said, wow, well, let's check the VIX out. We got to be, the VIX has got to be 28. 
So it's not cooperating. If you're looking for 40, it's just if you not want happening. Capitulation. Yeah. Right. If you're looking the losses for that. haven't stuck really, and the VIX hasn't spiked. We haven't had that high volume sort of day. I mean, all those sort of capitulatory signs that people look for, we have not seen them play out. Then there's this, and we'll, I'm going to read this in because we were going to talk about it anyway, but energy, a big part of the story. Oil prices recovering from some of the losses yesterday, which brought down WTI to below 100. Uh, for the first time since May 11th, it was down more than 10% at one point, dropping as low as 99.50 a barrel. Today, traders are focusing on supply concerns, even as worries about a global recession uh, linger. And natural gas prices back in Europe are pulling back as well after spiking yesterday. Norway's government intervening uh, to end a strike that had cut oil and gas output, which could have worsened the energy crunch uh, on the continent. 102 on the euro, man. Europe's looking good uh, in terms of when it used to be 125, 130. Planning, Things the, are, yeah, planning yeah, the European planning vacation. The but my point also that, that we already talked about, so whenever, okay, we ask analysts, why is oil below 100? Why are yields falling? Right. It's like, uh, isn't that good? Well, it depends on why they're falling. It depends on, you know, and I understand if it's a slowdown or a recession that's causing it, that's, that's not the, you know, the optimal way to get lower prices and lower interest rates, but the effect is the same. Borrowing costs aren't as bad as we thought they were going to be. Maybe gas prices do come down and maybe there is some relief at the pump. So those things that as they filter through, they end up being good, even if they're there for, for not good reason. So I'm half, half, I'm half full. Well, you th I know you think I'm 100% full most days, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm <laughs> half full, full of it. Of I'm, half, I'm half full today uh, and not half empty. Well, it also gives the Fed some leeway to, to pause yeah. or maybe pare back on their hiking plans after the July meeting. It seems like July is pretty much priced in. That's an accepted 75 basis point hike. But maybe after that, they start saying, you know what, maybe we'll see how this all plays out. Yeah. The stronger dollar also helps in terms of the Fed's goal of price stability. So right. that also gives them another reason to step back. Hurts earnings, but we can always say, ah, oh, that's just currency when, when the earnings aren't good. Well, think about Microsoft. Microsoft reported its quarter. A few weeks later, came out with a filing. FX effects are going to impact yeah. their guidance. But it's uh, but, but that was, you know, right. percentage points ago in terms of the U.S. dollar share. It's almost like a special item that say, well, yeah, but if you factor that out, we grew organically at blah, blah, blah. So we don't, another, even though it's, it's another right. thing, though, that, it is. that clouds but we the can, picture. We can discount it and say, yeah, they made less money, but it doesn't really matter because it, it, there was, you know, the ongoing business isn't why they made less money. Two top members of the Senate Intelligence Committee are urging the Federal Trade Commission to investigate TikTok over how it handles user data. Senators Mark Warner and Marco Rubio are citing recent news reports that TikTok's parent company, China's ByteDance, has been accessing data on U.S. users. They say that raises security concerns China's government could get sensitive data using backdoor methods. TikTok has called those reports misleading. I don't, you know, the people that watch TikTok all day long, what's China going to find out? about these kids. <laughs> Look, how oh many, my God. How many you know, they, they, may, they may say, we don't have to do anything. That country's screwed no matter what happens. <laughs> we can just watch this decline of Western civilization. Same floating, they, an yeah, implosion Maybe that's why they, they just want to watch it in slow motion and enjoy it. Uh, but I don't know, what are they going to find out? What are they going to find out? I, I don't know. <laughs> The Food and Drug Administration issued an administrative stay on the order it issued last month for vaping company Juul to pull its electronic cigarettes from the market. The agency said on Twitter that the stay temporarily suspends the marketing denial order while it conducts further review, but 
It doesn't rescind it. The FDA issued the initial order banning Juul sales on June 23rd. A day later, a federal appeals court temporarily blocked the government ban. The initial FDA action was part of a sweeping effort by the agency to bring scientific scrutiny uh, to the multi-billion dollar vaping industry after years of regulatory delays. The stay uh, on the market, uh, the companies must show that their e-cigarettes benefit public health. Good luck. Uh, in practice, that means proving that adult smokers who use them are likely to quit or reduce smoking regular cigarettes, uh, while teens are unlikely to get hooked on them. It's another one of those things that I confound me at times when I see these like mechanical things and steam coming out of them. I'm just I, I'm in a world that has just left me behind. I think sometimes, Melissa. If, do you ever feel that way? I, I don't even know what to say. I feel like you're just the old man yelling at the cloud right I, I now. Know. Like, blah, I know. I, I do. I do. But I'm not that old, really. I mean, really. Right? Age is not in years. It's in mindset, Joe. But And according to your Does every mindset, generation, by the time they croak, do they not recognize the world they, they grew up in? Is that what happens? Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, how the White House and the U.S. Central Bank are attempting to tackle inflation and whether it'll be enough. Economist Michael Strain. The American people see prices going up everywhere. When they go into the grocery store to buy food, yelling and screaming at, at gasoline companies is not, is not a, a, an effective way to address the problem. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Today with Joe Kernan and Melissa Lee. Here's Joe. There's an edible arrangement. Amazing. Melissa Lee comes in here and you get in here at 3.30 or 4, 5, whenever, and then you're here, you're fast. And, and yesterday I mentioned right. um, management will probably be sending an edible arrangement. And, and lo and behold, an edible arrangement. Lo and behold, an edible arrangement that we're going to be able to. And it, but you know, it does brighten my I, mood and and the set. It and everything really else. does. If the price of, of making Joe happy is an edible arrangement, that's a cheap. Once in a while, that's a cheap. I think that's money well spent. I'll tell you what. what just one last thing, and then I we'll, think the producers would chip in on we'll, their we'll, own and buy if it put cantaloupe me in a good mood. on a stick. And it's not just <laughs> the cantaloupe. It's not just the fruit. It's the chocolate on the fruit, which really has got me in a good mood. 
Our next story on the podcast is all about the delicate dance between the Federal Reserve and the Biden administration to keep our economy stable and, fingers crossed, out of a deep recession, in spite of sky-high inflation and the aggressive moves made by the central bank. The Fed made its biggest interest rate hike since 1994. That happened in June. And later today, we'll get the minutes from that historic Fed meeting. And maybe economists, like the two you're about to hear, will be able to read between the lines for the Fed's next move which is just a few weeks away. The Open Market Committee meets later in July. I'll turn it back over to Joe. Join us now uh, to talk more about the economy and the Fed and about D.C.'s policy options if we end up in a recession. Austin Goolsby served as chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors under President Obama, and we're very close. I mean, I just, I'll, I'll say it right now. We keep talking about doing things together. That's what people do, Austin. They talk about, you know, we got to get together. We gotta, but, but a lot of times it doesn't happen, but maybe it still will. We're going to have that lunch. Uh, now a professor at the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business and Michael Strain, Director of Economic Policy Studies at the American Enterprise Institute. I'm going to start with this. We can go back historically at, at different periods, and it seems like the current period that we're always in it's never the same. It's always, it kind of rhymes, but there's always some nuance to it. And it, this is very difficult to navigate uh, what's going on. Here's where I'm going with this, Austin. Uh, the, the president always talks about the Putin price hike, and there's a lot to that. Look what's happening in Europe. Europe has got serious problems uh, with energy. So inflation's gonna stay high over there. Should we be killing our economy here, the Fed that is, and, and orchestrating a slowdown in responding to something that's really a problem across the ocean. Are you frustrated that we're trying to slow things down, Austin, when we all want growth? Yeah, a little, though. Can we just back up for a second? You were supposed to take me to the finest dinner in New York City, and now we got downgraded to lunch? Is that what you just said? You said, oh, we'll have lunch one of these days? Have you opened your oh, 401k? Man. Have you opened your 401k after the, the first half of this year? <laughs> We may, get, we may do a, a cart lunch uh, is what yeah. we're talking about. So, right? Look, the thing is, I think you're highlighting a critical component, the debate within the Fed, which is if inflation comes from supply shocks, then the one instrument the Fed has, which is to reduce demand for interest rate sensitive sectors of the economy, that's not the right answer. Now, then now we got to back up and say, OK, well, how much of this inflation is indeed coming from supply shocks? I think probably more maybe than than Michael thinks. But the the whole premise of the question of, well, what could the Biden administration or Washington do if we had a recession is forgetting the key point, which is it matters tremendously whether the Fed which is the where the rubber hits the road, if the Fed is trying to oppose and and counterbalance the whatever's coming from Washington, there's nothing Washington can do. Washington could try to pass a stimulus, but if the Fed is going to keep raising the interest rate, we would rediscover how more than two-thirds of the recessions in the U.S., have come from the Fed raising the interest rate faster than the economy can handle. No way to uh, run a country, uh, Michael, or to run an economy, right? When that's your only tool is to to sort of do the opposite of what we're always trying to do. That is, you know, get high GDP, low unemployment, all, and to try to do the opposite to, you know, to counter uh, inflation when you're not even sure that it's, it's going to be effective. You're not even sure where the inflation is coming from, whether it's systemic, you're not sure how long it's going to be around. And yet that's your only tool. It's a it's a it's a challenging situation, Joe. Just very quickly, I don't want to make you sad. 
I do want to tell you that Austin and I and a few others had dinner just last week. What? I'll just I'll just leave that there for what? you to think about. Like a virtually, um, like a Zoom dinner. What? Where no, were you? Uh, we you weren't, weren't back here. Were you together? Off? You weren't back here, Austin. Don't tell me that. No, it was in Washington D.C. We were we were we were here in the swab. We were here. In I the was swab. down in D.C. Um, a couple of weeks ago too, and didn't hear a, 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 a peep. From any of you. Anyway, you just go ahead. Give me a call. Email me anytime. Come over. I'll uh, be, be, be oh, happy yeah, to have sure. dinner with you here on this one. Give wall. me one of those fake uh, phone numbers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, I think it's a... Ch- Five six seven five three zero nine eight six seven five three zero nine. Go ahead. It is a it, it's a challenging situation because the Fed was so behind the ball in 2021. It's a challenging situation because the Biden administration dumped so much stimulus into the economy and, and pushed demand so hard in 2021 that now we're in a situation where the Fed has to tighten into a slowdown, which kind of scrambles the way we normally uh, think about monetary policy. What can the administration do? One thing the administration can do is pick some of the low-hanging fruit that would shave a few tenths of a point off of inflation to try and make the Fed's job a little easier. The administration could get rid of the Trump administration's tariffs on Chinese imports. That would reduce inflation. The administration could restart student loan payments, which would have some effect on, on kind of cooling consumer demand, pulling some of that money out of the economy. Uh, both of those actions would reduce inflation. I think a criticism is, you know, maybe, you know, three-tenths of a point here, one-tenth of a point there. But if you do a few of those things, all of a sudden you're reducing inflation by half a percentage point, seven-tenths of a percentage point. That makes the Fed's job easier. And I think that's, that's, some, that's, that's a good place for the administration to look. Hey, Austin, I know I can ask you anything. That's, that's why I'm going to ask this next question, because, you know, we go back so long. So we used to have... We used to have like Republicans that they'd be Trump would would have just, President Trump would have just said something, and they're like thinking I don't want to go on TV, I do not want to be asked about what this guy just said, and I could see that. Are you in a similar type position right now, Austin? When you see some of those economic tweets from President Biden, being a trained economist at the University of Chicago. And you see, you know, that that all this inflation is from profiteering and that oil companies are controlling the price of oil. Do you think I'm not going on TV because I cannot defend this lunacy? Do you ever feel that way? I thought I just wasn't being invited by you anymore. You were mad at me or something. Don't change the subject. When you hear that, seriously, (laughs) when you see, I mean, you saw the journal yesterday. I mean, Bidenomics Bidenomics is nowhere is that taught anywhere in the universe. You, You know that I will tell it like it is, and when okay, the administration so says it. things I disagree with, I will well, say you must be I, telling that a lot then, because they're saying yeah. crazy stuff. He says crazy stuff, does he not? Some of his stuff is not, are not, not what I would say. Definitely, though. On some of these, like in the in this little tweet storm that Jeff Bezos declared with him, I think what he was observing was this weird dynamic that the price of oil and the price of gasoline, which normally move pretty closely together, have diverged, where the price of oil started coming down, but the price of gasoline hasn't come down. 
uh, and is he's expressing frustration with that. But do you get calls, Austin? You, uh, you could do wonders in, in this White House right now. Who do you think is coming up with some of this stuff? Do you, do you, do you talk to, to people there still? I talk to people there. I think, you know, we're going into the midterm. So we're in the dynamic. And you, you saw this in the Trump administration. You saw it with Obama. You saw it with Bush before that. As you go into the midterm, and especially when there's big tectonic forces moving around in the economy, that are not popular, like, you know, big inflation and stuff like that. And there's not a whole lot you can do in the short run. So I, I kind of think that uh, that on both sides, you're going to see a little more, let's call it show voting. They're going to try to put up votes to make the other side look unpopular. There's, I understand. And populist, populism, we got a, uh, you know, we're infected on both sides by, by the things. And Michael, that, that makes people say things for, for effect rather than, than to back it up uh, with facts. But Michael, do, do you ever get irritated that, that we hear that capitalism itself is the problem because you're trying to earn profits and we should all be not for profit and whatever our input costs are, just don't add anything on to that and you know, just try to sell it at cost so that there's no inflation, that, that's never gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I think attacking companies and accusing them of profiteering, I think trying to use the bully pulpit, you know, demanding that private sector companies lower their prices, this is, this is stuff that we saw from President Trump. It's disappointing to see it from President Biden. I don't think that it, that it sells. You know, the, the, the American people see prices going up everywhere. When they go into the grocery store to buy food, they see really large increases in the price of, of staples that they need to feed their families. Yelling and screaming at, 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 at gasoline companies, uh, I, I think, is not is not a, a, an effective way to address the problem or even or even to sell that the administration is doing things. The administration should be should be trying to do things and they have some they have some low hanging fruit they could pick. All right. Seriously, Austin, it, it, you know, either D.C. or here, I, I'm going to I'm going to put on a credit card. I'm not going to worry about whether I have it right okay. right now. And, and uh, I will max that out and we'll, you know, we'll go Chipotle to like an olive, olive garden. No, Chipotle maybe. is still cheap. Olive Garden or an Outback or so. What about a Chili's? Chili's, I'm okay with that. So there you go. Okay, Taco so Bell Cantina. Don't even Taco mention. Bell Cantina. Taco Bell, I have three meals a day. People know that. Austin, thank you. You get Taco yeah. Bell and a margarita. There you go. There you go. A virgin margarita, maybe. Uh, I got to get up early. Thank you both. Up next, what new hires want in the workplace? Well-being, wages, workplace safety and workers' rights. Those were the top three categories. CNBC's Sharon Everson spoke to a member of the class of 2022 about the values that mattered most in his job hunt. Innovation, impact, equity are things that are incredibly important to me. Squawk Pod will be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. At Capella University, 
you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. I'm Katie Kramer. And this week on the podcast, we're taking some time to look at a few of the many ways the COVID-19 pandemic has changed our lives. One of the most basic, clearly, is the workplace. Not just the physical offices, but the way workers approach their places in the pecking order. Or even what gets them in the door, virtual or not, in the first place. Job satisfaction and engagement increase when employers look out for employees on a range of issues that go beyond a 401k match purpose, well-being, and values. And with the newest generation of workers, it's a buyer's market. Hi, Sharon. How are you? Hello. I caught up with a CNBC colleague digging deep into the new ways of work. My name is Sharon Epperson, and I am CNBC's senior personal finance correspondent. Sharon and I spoke about this shift in power towards workers and its impact on the class of 2022 as they kick off their careers they're not just looking at things like salary and benefits. They have a wider range of considerations, right? Absolutely. Starting with their own well-being, that is first and foremost. You know, as one of the HR leaders that I spoke to said, before the pandemic, it was about work-life balance. Now it's about how work fits into your life. And I think more and more people, particularly younger workers, are really prioritizing that and making sure that employees as as employees, that their values and that their well-being is really considered in the whole process of the work and the role that they serve. You spoke to a recent grad, a young man named Tyrese. Tell me about Tyrese. Mm -hmm. Tyrese Thomas graduated from Columbia University just in May, and he was majoring in sociology, also did a special program in business management, also Uh, speaks Mandarin and and is focused on East Asian languages. So describe your job search process. The process was a lot more difficult than I expected. And he was very strategic in his job search. One thing that's been super important throughout these interviews is having something like a life story where you are finding some way to create a narrative for yourself that aligns, aligns to each company. How important were your values and the company's values in this job search process? This is incredibly important. I think things like innovation, impact, equity are things that are incredibly important to me. And so I really want to make sure that was something that I was seeing in my employer. And so oftentimes, you know, if I didn't see how you responded to, uh, you know, COVID, how are you providing benefits to, uh, you know, those to ensure that they are protected in job loss? Um, How are you providing um, benefits to um, LGBTQ plus folks or, you know, black individuals, especially after kind of the murder of George Floyd in 2020? You know, I was interning in those times. super important for me to be able to find an organization that aligns with my values. There's many times where I decided not to interview or move forward with a company if I saw that uh, there weren't responses or, you know, uh, investments towards organizations or individuals as well that aligned with my values. I'm old enough to remember when bosses in in your office maybe didn't want you to talk about issues that could be construed as political or, or, or divisive potentially. How did this change? What, what, what happened? I think employees changed. I think that um, a number of issues that people have seen 
and were able to see 24-7 during the lockdown of the pandemic caused them to focus on political, social, cultural issues. I think that the focus on companies, on ESG, employees are saying, where's our part? I think it's, frankly, a healthier outlook on, on how to work that people are making sure that they don't have to compartmentalize who they are uh, when they approach the workplace. What values are most important to workers? What are the things that really resonate with them now? Well, there are a bunch of different surveys out there, but one that we looked at recently that came out from Qualtrics looked at well-being, wages, workplace safety, and workers' rights. Those were the top three categories that people really looked at. And a third or more of employees said, these are most important to me in terms of the values we want to see at the company and the values we expect employers to speak about. If a company did not share your passion or did not support you being an advocate for many of the issues that you've been involved with in college, would you want to stay there? You know, that's an interesting question because I don't even necessarily think I would even, I would I like to think that I wouldn't work there to begin with. Like everyone, I want to make sure I have the salary, those benefits, and can go into a place knowing that will be protected. But at the same time, um, I recognize that it's incredibly important to hold these values, um, not only you know as I work for this employer, but as I kind of start to chart my career journey. For a long time, we thought that they had to be mutually exclusive, but I've, I think I and a lot of other college students are recognizing that it really doesn't have to be that way. Um, and if we can just you know find and pressure organizations to uh, kind of live up to you know these expectations we can have significant results for ourselves for our careers for our peers um, and really the future to come all of this puts another responsibility to transparency i think on the companies our corporate leaders in america up for this challenge being presented to them by this new generation of workers? That is the question. And that is the question that every leader must ask themselves and every hiring manager must ask themselves as well, because employees want to hear your voice. The workplace has changed dramatically. And there are many managers and leaders who have been in positions perhaps a long time or in the workforce a long time where this is new. This is new for them. You don't talk about this stuff at work. Well, now your employees are telling you, we need to hear from you. You have to talk about it. Sharon, thank you so much. This has been a really interesting discussion. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And that's the pod for today. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Joe and Melissa Lee will be back tomorrow. I'm half full. Well, you th- I know you think I'm 100% full most days. <laughs> This podcast gives you the best of our three-hour morning show and a little extra. You can follow Squawk Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to listen. Thank you for tuning in. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 